Welcome to Perth Symphony's Music on the Move, a podcast for you, our audience and followers, to learn more about the concerts you're about to experience or the things we get up to. I'm Borby Webster, CEO and founder of Perth Symphony Orchestra. Music on the Move is a way to meet our musicians, gain insight into our concerts and catch gossip from behind the scenes all aimed at giving you a much greater insight into the world of our incredible orchestra. Remember, you can join the conversation throughout any concert or at any time, sharing thoughts and photos to Instagram, Facebook and Twitter using at Perth Symphony or hashtag Perth Symphony. And keep up to date with all Perth Symphony's activities at perthsymphony.com. To ensure you never miss a note, please subscribe to Perth Symphony Orchestra wherever you're listening from. And why not rate us and review us while you're there? Welcome to Perth Symphony's Music on the Move. I could not be more excited to be joined by this edition of Music on the Move by phenomenal pianist, composer, and probably a whole bunch of other stuff. Joe Kindamo, Joe, welcome to Perth. Hi, Bobby. It's lovely to be here. It's amazing. And considering how early you must have got up this morning, you're bright and fresh and um, already talking all things music to me. So I wish we could have pressed the record button on this podcast when you opened my front door. Um, yeah, I do too. You know, all you, all you know me, I never stop talking. Um. <laughs> it's a good thing, Joe. <laughs> or playing. I think Joe has already sat at the piano maybe four times this morning to show me things. So um, if ever you have the opportunity to have this man in your house. So look, I'm here today with Joe Kindamo. Joe has um, been commissioned by Perth Symphony Orchestra to rework, reimagine, take inspiration from Mozart's Eine Kleine Nachtmusik, possibly one of the most famous pieces in the classical mm. repertoire for our um, orchestra, for our Mozart by Candlelight concert this coming Wednesday at St. George's Cathedral. Joe, when I made that phone call to you, and we have discussed one day that Joe Kandama will come and mm. do something with Per Symphony, um, did you have any idea that this is the project that I might throw at you? Um, no, look, I, look I, with you, I could, I don't know what to expect. And, 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 and I know that, um, well, the thing that I would expect, expect you know, is that it would be a, a surprise. So, so yes and no. Uh, I, was, I was very happy that you asked me to reimagine Mozart because I, I guess I'm, 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 I'm a Mozartian at heart. I, I love all things Mozart so, and, and considered it a, a great honour. Firstly, to be able to be entrusted with such a uh, an important task, and secondly, we get to work together. I know we've it's been brilliant. talking about it for three years or so. You, me, and Mozart. I mean, yeah. how good's that? Yeah. <laughs> I reckon there's a film. You know, well, you know, as a sequel to Amadeus, I reckon you, me, and Mozart. Absolutely, Joe. Let's go back a step because I really want to delve into this work and what you've done and. Um, you know how a, a composer takes another composer's work and mm. can own own it. So mm. I'm I'm really looking forward to digging a bit deeper on that. But I just want to go back to your roots because part of what I love about you as a musician is just your incredibly diverse career and that you you know you have had an insane performing career. Just tell tell us a little bit about that. Which bit of it? Ah, oh, tell us your life story in five minutes. Can you do um, that? Well, I, I started. Well, you, you, well, sometimes I do have an identity crisis. Um, 
or maybe other people have an identity crisis about me. Um, because I, I didn't even start on piano. I started on, on, on accordion. Um, you know, I'm, I'm the son of Italian migrants and, and back in Melbourne in the 60s, if your kid, you know, wanted to learn an instrument, you know, there was a safe bet that if your parents were Italian, accordion was that instrument. And, um, you know, but I... I, I, I advanced on on that instrument fairly quickly and I was winning competitions and I won the you know Dan in on Steadford when I was 12 and made my first recording when I was 14 wow um I was quite entrepreneurial in those I'd won this show called Kevin Dennis New Faces which is sort of for all intents and purposes you know the you know Australia's I I've got talent of its time I guess and people like Paul Hogan and, uh, you know, anybody's anybody, you John Williamson, you know, Daryl Summers, all these people that became, that became household names went on it and won it and, 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 uh, and did things. And anyway, uh, and a year, you know, no, and a year later, I actually wrote to W&G, which was uh, um, uh, the record company for, 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 for all, you know, lots of artists in those days, you know, I wrote to them and said, you know, can I make an album with you? And then, you know, they wrote back and said, yeah, sure. So I went in and did that and never came out. Did they actually went broke? And no, it wasn't oh. my fault. Uh, they, I don't think they went broke. I think they sold out, you know, sold the company and it was that. Um, and, you know, but then I got bored, bored with the accordion and, and I was interested in getting more and more interested in jazz. And, and uh, I bought a piano at 15 and 16, around 15, 16. Um, started listening to Bill Evans, Oscar Peterson, uh, you know, Errol Garner, Chick Corea, Herbie Hancock, all those people, and basically playing and copying their solos. And in the meantime, was kind of doing gigs, you know, in bands, reception bands, and you know, um, uh, weddings and all that sort Brilliant. of, you know. But in my own head, I was always playing Carnegie Hall, you know, yeah, um, yeah. which actually ended up playing Carnegie Hall a few years ago with Zoe Black, you know, which is incredible. But that that's, um, you know, that, that was all to happen in a future life. So then, you know, went to State College. You, know, you said five minutes. Keep going. Am I this is Three great. minutes, I think. You're you know? fine. Um, State College, which is now part of, um, it was a teacher's college, and and I look, I had never had any intention of ever becoming a teacher, but but it was a good course to do, um, and it was fun, and, and given that I'd gone to an all boys school and I had conservative Italian migrant parents who you know expected me to become a lawyer or a doctor or an architect or something like that. And, and I disappointed them bitterly by becoming a professional musician because music was okay as long as it was on the side and I was, you yes, know, yes. Uh, on TV. And, you know, but when I wanted to do it as a serious thing, it was just uh, created problems. But going to Melbourne State College, you know, it was co ed and it was, it was, you know, I felt this incredible sense of freedom. So, um, went there and you know, majored in music and mathematics, actually. Um, and then, you know, like while I was still at college, I, I, I came to the attention of a lot of film composers and, 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 and I think they liked me because I could improvise, but I also had uh, a, a really good sense of the piano, you know, like I, 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 um, I was sort of halfway between a classical pianist and a jazz pianist, you know. Yeah. And in fact, actually, jazz jazz musicians never considered me as one of their own. I was never I've never been a poster boy for them, but 
because of that thing is I've been too classical. So th- that really annoys me when classical people say, oh, you know, call me a jazz musician because it's, yeah. I never, I don't belong anywhere, you yeah. know? Yeah. Anyway, so I did that and then, and and I did join, you know, people like the, the bands of uh, Vince Jones and Loose Change and, you know, which is a great jazz rock band of its time. And I worked and worked and did all sorts of different things. Eventually I played on probably about 60 film scores and accompanied everybody, played orchestral piano with the MSO, um, you know. So you're a jazz on, musician that reads music? Yeah, well, well, I was a studio musician. And if you, if, if, you know, I don't know what it's like now, you know, um, but certainly, in the, as late as the, in the 1990s, if you walk, if you walked into a Los Angeles film studio, and I did that because I, you know, ended up touring with um, Billy Cobham, this, this incredible American drummer. Um, he, you know, I mean, revolutionary jazz rock um, uh, um, artist, you know, and. When I went to Los Angeles to play with him, I went to the film studios in Hollywood and sat behind Mike Lang, who probably plays the piano on Forrest Gump and every other film that we've seen, you know. Wow. And he drove me home uh, that night, and in the car he was li- he was listening to uh, Keith Jarrett's stand, you know, what his one of his standards records, you know, standards in Norway because Keith played, you know. Every time he made a record, it was standards in Paris, standards in Norway, <laughs> standards in Tokyo, you know. And but a lot of studio musicians are, st- you know, especially the pianists, they're, they're they're frustrated jazz musicians. Yeah, yeah. And and that's what I was. I was a studio musician who was a frustrated jazz musician. And then became, you know, when I became a jazz musician, I became a frustrated classical composer. So <laughs> so, so the minute I, it's almost like. Without sounding arrogant, hopefully, you know, like I get to a, a certain place, you know, I, I master it or conquer as much as I can that particular area, area, and then throw it out and start something else. Um, I mean, it's incredible, like, you know, Joe. I'm finding new stuff about you, despite you know our friendship going back away. Um, what a rich, amazing background to have. I mean you know, piano and accordion, but studio and live, jazz and classical. Mm. I mean, that's just a melting pot. What happened in terms of the transition when you decided that actually the fo- and the focus has shifted? Mm. Oh, very much so. From no. performing to composing, what was it that drove that? Do you suddenly wake up one day and just go, "I've got to stop playing other people's stuff and play my own"? Mm. Or what's the driver there? Well, well, that 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 that's feeling has hit me as, as several times in my life. You know, um, uh, in my late twenties, I'd, I'd had enough of playing on film scores. Because I, I got frustrated at the idea that you know, you know, you know, some people like Brian May, who did Mac, Mad Max and, and you know, and, and Bruce Meat and these people, that they would write out every note and you'd you'd walk in. Well, actually, with Bruce, we had, we we had a different relationship, and um, I, I'd end up orchestrating and arranging. So hang on, you're on the Mad Max soundtrack. No, 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 I missed oh, I out on that one. Oh, I see. Using it as an example. But using it, you know. Brian May was the composer of Mad Max. I mentioned that because that's probably the most well-known film um, that he would have done. But um, he did a series called Return to Eden, which I played for. Had, look, had I met... I, I, I was a bit too... You know, two years too late to get on Mac, Mad Max. So, you know. <laughs> My first film, I think, was Farlap, and then Man from Snowy River 2. Not the first one, it was the second one. 
But um, I got to the end of my tour. But with a lot of these guys, not not Brian or Bruce, but a lot of these guys, I ended up, they, they, they'd asked me to improvise a lot for them. And then they'd kind of get credit for it. And I didn't like that. So I thought, I'm going to put all this into my own albums. So if... Um, I, I guess I, I made jazz albums, but they were always imbued with with, with uh, other influences. You know, yeah. they were filmic. They were, they, you know, the, you know, I, I, I did a record on based on Paul Simon's music and Bacharach's music. You know, so so it was always an outlier. You know, yeah. um, well, let's just stop there, um, Joe, and I just have a quick listen to something that you've done that will give the listeners an idea of this kind of filmic sensibility. Sure. Well, hopefully people have got a better idea of some of the stuff that you do. You mean confused them? Well, there you go. But this is, you know, this is what should be happening in my view in music, that boundaries are smashed, that there aren't necessarily set genres. You know, no, I, I don't like, you know, barriers. We talk about diversity these days, inclusion. And it happens everywhere except music. Music. Well, let's just come on to this, Joe, because you and I have had several strong conversations about labels and you know, people say, well, Joe Kindama, you're a jazz pianist. How on earth can you write for full symphony orchestra? Mm -hmm. And things like that really get my go too, yeah. Joe, because mm -hmm. people label, you know, per symphony as certain things. And I'm just like, no, we're a great no. orchestra yeah. that play great music. Full stop. Yeah, full stop. End of sentence. Yeah. So, you know, in terms of your sort of where you are now and your chameleon um, personality, do you feel that you fit anywhere or actually is the joy of what you're doing that you're free to explore with no boundary? Oh, look, you still have to fit in into the rest of the world. So, you know, you, you can't always just do your own thing because you'll, you, you know, you'll... <laughs> I need people like you who are really hip. Uh, um, <laughs> Thanks, and, Joe. First time I've ever been called that. Well, yeah, who, who, and who understand music, who, who, with whom I share that sensibility. Um, I need people like you, you know. Uh, I shouldn't say people like you. I need you. And, um, because you know you can't work in a vacuum you, you know uh, uh, but you asked me before how when the shift changed and, uh, and I, I think probably about 
and I started to say it happened in the film studios, you know, when I was doing films, and I, and that was the first time it really changed. But and it only changed, it didn't change enough because I still performed a lot. But when I met violinist Zoe Black, who she was assistant leader of um, uh, ACO when, when she became assistant leader when she was 23 back in the early 90s, um, or mid-90s, sorry. I'm, I've just aged her three years. And we became partners in life and, and, and duo partners. And, you know, we met 10 years ago and that changed my life because I started writing all this music for her, which then expanded the string quartet, which expanded to string orchestra and then full orchestra. And remembering, you know, going back to the the that link to film music, I, you know, I, I was in a studios for 10 years with orchestra, uh, orchestra, the orchestral sounds, orchestration, wonderful musicians from the MSO all around me all the time. So it was in my head. Um, so that shift really happened in a, in a big way over the last 10 years. And then I discovered that, you know, if you had to ask me, okay, with all these things that we were talking about diversity, but if you had to actually, if you asked me to pinpoint the very thing that I, I identifies that characterizes me i would say i'm a composer before you know before being a jazz pianist or even a pianist or or a player this is what i was put on the earth this is what i was meant to do um and i discovered it rather late in in life you know it's the thing that seems to come more naturally to me and joe i get the sense that your composition is very instinctive the it, just like you say that you've grown up with a world of orchestras in your ears but you've never had any formal training no, no one's taught you how to orchestrate or yeah but no this. one has taught me how to play jazz piano either i'd never had a jazz piano lesson ever you know um sorry you were going to ask me but that, that's you know th no this is wonderful because this is you know to me you are such a gifted instinctive musician and there's just something fantastic about the way that you write but i absolutely love that and we we used the word respect earlier mm. you clearly have a respect for music and musicians and so much of what you're doing these days has references and which is exactly what composers mm. would have done mm. you know i mean goodness me mozart absolutely was picking bits from everybody else oh yeah um, and you know, just before we... yep. What's that from? The Mar is that Marriage Figaro? Figaro. Yeah. Okay, well, that's based on a Clementi piano sonata. Yes, exactly. So this whole taking something and then doing your own exciting thing is a what all jazz improv musicians do, um, and B, absolutely, I feel like a little thumbprint of what you do. I love sort of hearing references and going, oh, Joe must love Scarlatti, mm, or Joe mm, must mm, love mm, Bach, you know, mm, because mm. you hear these things. And actually, just before we started on this podcast, you played me a, a little piece, which is for, I love this, harpsichord, string orchestra and timpani that you've written. Yes, and it, a palimpsest. It, yeah, it couldn't be more Joe Kindamo. And yet, my goodness me, there's a whole sound world in there of some of the composers that you obviously respect. Mm. Let's, let's just take a quick listen to a bit of that now.
there you go. I mean, that's what a harpsichord string orchestra and timpani a la Joe Quintano sounds like. The harpsichord almost sounds like a Spanish guitar, because, you know, well, La Folia, you know, it was a 12-bar, that chord sequence was a 12-bar blues of its day. I think it first appeared in about 1490 in Corelli, Bach, you know, all wonderful musicians used it as... A template for composition. So, uh, what is the exact? Best in Italian. What is the exact? Because I've heard different versions. The exact well, translation of La Folia. La Folia. I think it's a madness. Um, you know, I hope, I hope I've got this right. If it's the right spelling, it's. A, I've always thought of it as a madness. Madness. Yeah, that's what I've La sort folia, of heard of it, which or, I, I kind of love because yeah. then you've got that freedom. Folly. La Folia. Exactly. I think, you know. Exactly. So, Joe, you know, being inspired by and drawing on, you know, is is definitely something that you know, absolutely permeate, you know, you're taking centuries of music and musicians from jazz and classical and film and everything else and enmeshing it into the Joe Kindame sensibility. So let's just fast forward to the Mozart that we've got coming up. Now, um, I've always absolutely loved hearing classical pieces, but going, but what if that composer was alive today? What <laughs> if, you know, I love that kind of, you know, would Vivaldi, I quite frankly believe that Vivaldi would have been heavy metal. I mean, mm. his diddle 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 yes. You know, it's absolutely f- bang, bang, mm. pumping rock, driving music. Well, it's certainly full of riffs, isn't it? Yeah, oh, good heavens, absolutely. So, Mozart, we've given this to you. You've risen to the challenge. I, I absolutely cannot wait for the audience to hear this. Talk us through the whole process of me ringing you going, will you do this? And you sitting at the keys going, right, how do I start this? Well, for, I don't know. It, it, it's just... It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's hard to describe what was going on inside my head because it's... a. Uh, well, inside my body, actually, it, it, it's, it sounds a little esoteric, but it's almost like I start writing and my body tells me, you know, I get a feeling, uh, an uncomfortable feeling if it's not right. And, and, I, and, I, and I'm just on a high, you know, uh, if, if it's all going well. Look, Elga did, did once say that, you know, you, with composing, you just have to kind of, you know, the music's already there. You, all you have to do is pick it out of out of um, out of thin air and of course that doesn't it's not really accurate to say that but it, it's a state of mind that you put yourself in it's a very zen state of mind and I think that that's why I love composing so much because it's 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 the the area where I can enter that state most easily if I'm excited about something if I'm really really excited about and 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 you know, as I was in, in, in this case. So, well, with Mozart, you know, unlike you mentioned Vivaldi, unlike Vivaldi and, and so much early music, because, you know, you listen to Geordie Saval and, and, and some of the incredible music that, um, early music that he plays, and it sounds like bluegrass. It sounds like music that you know was written in Nashville last week. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, with the, the, the hand drums that they use, and you know, and the way they on the viol and you know, those ancient instruments, they they sound you know uh, like like banjos or you know, it's incredible. Yeah. But with Mozart. Which of course is, is music that was written, you know, one or two hundred years later. It sounds more old-fashioned than this stuff. So, the first challenge, I won't say difficulty, was to to take Mozart and almost turn him into Baroque, 
or at least in my own head, like a concerto grosso, a la Schnitka, you know, as Alfred Schnitka did. You know, he would, he would take early music and then, you know, because it was riff-based, um, so I'm thinking, okay, but, you know, and then it goes on. So, okay, why don't we just take a snapshot shot of like a little snapshot and, you know, not necessarily do a schnitke to it. That's part of it. But the kind of thing that John Adams and Steve Reich would do in in their minimalist music um so you know that's so, so I, I looked at most sort of thought, thought you know I, I i changed it into a combination of baroque and minimalist music at times and of course you know i, I did plenty of other things but i was just having fun with it you know it, i mean i've heard the midi file mm. and for those who don't know what a midi file is it's just using sampled instruments to create a, a, a mm. proximity, mm. an approximation of the, the final. Facsimile of the, the Correct, point. of the final product. Um, you know, and as soon as I sort of heard it, I mean, all the themes of Ina Kleiner are still there, absolutely front and centre. You've put them on the pedestal that they need to be on, but then you've clearly had fun. Mm. I absolutely love, you've tried this, you've tried that, and then I can, you know, I can imagine you sitting, and do you compose at the keys, Joe? Oh, there, 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 there are different, sometimes I'll, uh, you see, see all comp- you know Bartok, Chopin. You you read all these accounts. They used to improvise, and then quickly try to write down what they, uh, what they improvised. You know we're we're luckier these days in that you know and for for Chopin, he used to get frustrated because often he'd forget what he improvised. You know and because the minute, minute you pick up a pencil, um, to write something down, half the time it's gone. The good thing about technology. And I guess, you know, Bartok and the, the, the... When did tape recorders come in? Oh, gosh. Who knows? I don't know. You know um, I have no idea, but I imagine you you could tape in the 50s or 60s. So that that was Bartok, you know, gone. But just some of the later composers, let's say Lutoslavsky, he could have improvised and taped himself and then transcribed that back. But to that, you know, using technology, sometimes I'll, I'll improvise four bars or something and of course when you improvise i'm using that skill you know i'm using my jazz head even though i'm not it's not jazz you know it's it's not a stylistic or genre thing but it's a process the same process yeah and that's a that's an important distinction um i'm using that that process that ability to say come up with something that you know I, i i just to do something on the fly like that that you wouldn't dream about if you had to think about it, you know? Yes. And that's yes. a weird convoluted sentence. You know, you wouldn't dream about it if you had <laughs> you had to think about it. But it's the same thing, you know? And uh, and then, you know, look, then I'll compose it or, or uh, um, take it apart and pick the best parts about it and then develop it. That's some of the process. Other times I'll just go to the piano and write something out, you know, verbatim, the old-fashioned way. Um other times I'll go straight to the Sibelius, the music soft uh, software um, program, and, and write it in that. So there is all different. Yeah. Sometimes I'll be in the shower and I'll hear something and I'll quickly dry myself. You know, actually, if I don't have time to dry myself up and and go to the keyboards and hope, <laughs> hope not to electrocute myself <laughs> and, 
and 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 you know my, my best ideas come you know having the shower and I, that you know I think it's the water yeah it's something it relaxes puts you in the right you know right brain mode and I think that that's really really important yeah. You so, know. ladies and gentlemen, Joe Kindama gets through writer's block by standing in the shower. There you go. You heard it. You heard it first here. Joe, the, this process, like, obviously, you, you're, you, you know, the, there's this gestation period of coming up with ideas in the shower and dotting things down. And you, you did say to me, gosh, there are some chunks that you've written that you delete. You know, this isn't just a sit down and it flows. No. You know, and you add two bars a day kind of thing, and it's a very linear. It, it, it's not that at all. It's building bricks and juggling and inserting and taking. Um, the first time you're going to get to hear this piece will be in a couple of days at mm. rehearsal. Mm. What's that process like for you, actually hearing the whole thing on the instruments it was written for for the first time? Um, a combination... Of, well, obviously, I'm excited. Um, but, you know, I'm quite experienced at it at, at, at now. And usually, you know, it, it doesn't matter who it is, you know, uh, um, it, it'll never sound as it sounds in my head. Yes. So... I'm, in fact, I'm, I'm actually completely, you know, in left hand, left brain, I'm completely pragmatic, um, almost businesslike, uh, in mm. in the sense I'll, I'll go in, you know, not even judge it. You know, I'm I'm at work. You know, we we you're in a garage building something. You know, yeah. yeah. So I'll listen to it and 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 immediately. And I think all the years in the studio, you know, primed me for this because I, I can, you know, in, in one hearing of something, I, I, I can actually jot down, you know, make a hundred notes in, uh, and, and write them down and, and, and then say, okay, but, you know, bar 30 in the first movement, we need to do that. We need to do, we need to bring the chali out, you know, oh, is that a mistake over there? And I can do that, you know, and, and, and so I'm listening out for, 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 ways in which it, 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 it can get into shape. Now, this is, you know, this is not meant to be insulting to, you know, huh? any particular orchestra, but it's always like that. And and, and I love that process because it's a, it's a different side, you know. This time I don't have to do that because I've got, you know, the wonderful Jessica. Um, uh, how do you, you know, Gethin, isn't it? Gethin. Gethin. Yeah, beautiful um, conductor. Um, so she'll be doing that for me. So I'll be able to sit back and... Uh, listen to that. And now the difference between that and the performance, then you know, because mm. I think we're sitting together. I'll be we like are. a little, I'll be like a little kid, you know, I'll be a twelve-year-old <laughs> hearing this back, and 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 then you'll see a completely different Joe, Joe, for, for for that, you know, and you know, like and and getting back to the first rehearsal, it's it's, I'm always listening. Oh, you know, I'll bow that, you know. Next time I write something like that, I'll bow that differently. Like it, it's mm. school too, you know, Absolutely. because you're hearing something back that was in, in your head. And I, I, okay, you you might have an electronic version you know, played by machines, but it's never quite the same. Yes. You think, oh, you know, well that's interesting. And and occasionally someone will, you know, hopefully, someone will do something that you've never thought of. You, oh, that's really really lovely. You know, yeah. I, I must make sure that the next group plays it like that. You yeah. Know, so um, as much as they're learning your music, you're learning stuff about how things can sound from there, yeah, which exactly. is a, a lovely, lovely relationship. I mean, look, I, I know the orchestra will absolutely love playing your piece. It's fascinating to me that the audience will simply sit there and let some fantastic music with great Mozartian themes wash over them, you know, and have so little um, comprehension, rightly so, of the actual mechanics and the time yeah. and the stuff that goes on behind the scenes. 
Joe, you... you, but, but you said, if I may interrupt, yeah. you said something, you know, when I played you the, the MIDI of it, and one thing we wish we must share um, is that you said you've almost written Mozart's biography. Yeah, it really feels like And you like talked that. about, you know, the, the, the rage, the depression, his... Because his life was a disaster sometimes, and 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 behind all this beauty and 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 this often very upright, pretty music, um, because he was he was restricted by the conventions of his time. Yeah, uh, I think it's important to realise that here was this incredibly modern musician who who felt so much and put so much into his music and and. Um, you know, I was really touched when you said that, that I'd written a, a biography of, of him yeah. as much as... A, oh, it's as, wonderful. As, as you know that because behind his beautifully balanced and phrased and perfectly poised and extremely purely constructed mm. music was an artist that was precocious, rebellious, mm. very neurotic, you know, all these different things. And we know this through his letters, which mm. is why the letters form such a strong mm. part mm. of the mm. programme mm. we're doing. You know, there, there'll be lots of surprises, but the audience will be able to read... And here some of Mozart's He's letters. A great pool player as well. Really? There yeah. you go. There you go. So, and I love that you've brought that out. Like, you're going to hear Mozart themes that are precocious. You're going to hear Mozart themes that are um, nostalgic and contemplative, and all the things that we wouldn't we know about Mozart, but mm. he never could show through his music because that's not what he was commissioned to write. Or as you say, Joe, um, we've got to end. Otherwise, we could just be here all day. But um, you're composing career you know is in some ways meteoric and in some ways a very slow burn but you've done some extraordinarily things I mean I, I absolutely adore the scat concerto that you wrote for your incredibly gifted mm. daughter with the M um, the QSO mm. and the drum kit concerto with the MSO I mean straight away the titles of those are genre defying mm. but you recently had to go to Buckingham Palace is that right just tell us yeah, a bit about there this. was a, a, a year ago I was com uh, commissioned by um, the High Commission uh, of Australia in, in the UK um, in conjunction with the Australian... Um, oh, it's not the Federation. Uh, um, God, what is the AMF? What is it? Um, not a yeah, Australian Music Foundation. There Sorry. <laughs> I have been up since four this morning. Um, uh, and to, to write a piece for the Centenary of Australia House in London. And uh, I did that, and it's called This House. And Prince Charles was, was uh, present with Camilla that night, and um, I stood in line along with Barry Humphreys to, you know, in, in, in uh, meet and greet, <laughs> if that's what they call it. And, um, and uh, you know, we, we... In fact, I'm going back there uh, next month because the, um, the AMF um, uh, formed the group. Um, and named it after the piece, this house. Wow. So they're, they're hoping to make it an ongoing thing, and I'm going to, to conduct my, 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 my piece. And, and um, I'm, not, I'm not a great conductor, but, oh. you know, but don't tell them that. We won't. That's not the point. But uh, they, look, you know, I, I don't feel so bad because it's, um, it's my own piece. I of course, I and no one of, knows it better. Yeah. And, Joe, look, just putting it out to the universe, um, you know, and who knows who's listening to this podcast... What would be your dream commission? Who knows if I could one day give it to you, but if if someone rang you and went, Joe, could you do this for X, Y, Z, what would it be and who would it be for? I'd love to write a piano concerto for Yuja Wang. 
Oh, there you go. There you go. And I did meet her and I did send her, I, I, you know, when I first met her, you know, we stayed in touch. Um, and we, you know, we had a drink in New York too, but this is, you know, about three years ago. And, and, uh, uh, I sent her a piece and she really liked it and said she would play it as an encore. I don't know whether she did, you know, but, um, it's, uh, yeah, probably a a piano concerto for her. Um, I mean, there are probably 10 other, um, projects that I could, that I could have, um, dreamt up, but that's one of them. Well, Joe, I, I, I'm a firm believer if you put stuff out there in the universe, somehow they find a weird way of actually happening. So I think that needs to be your mantra. Um, thank you everyone for Thanks, listening. Bobby. Thank you, Joe, so much for being with us on Music on the Move today. You can come and hear this remarkable composer's work, Fantasy Auf Nachmusik, homage to Mozart right there, on Wednesday the 16th of October 2019. Well, actually, you can't because we sold out a month ago, but if you're lucky enough to be listening to this because you've got a ticket, then you're going to be in for an absolute treat. And mm. Joe will be doing a pre-concert talk that I absolutely encourage mm. everyone to come and have a chat to. Thanks, Bobby. It's an honour. It's an honour to be, 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 be here with you. And thank you for giving me this opportunity to do this. Well, may this be the start, Joe. Amen. Amen. Mozart by Candlelight is made possible thanks to funding from the Department of Local Government, Sport and Cultural Industries and support from Silverstream Wines and generous donations. The Joe Kindamo Commission has been made possible thanks to the very special donation from an individual donor. A huge thanks to our foundation partner, AHG, sustainability partners Mindaroo Foundation and Tim Roberts Giving, and Platinum Partner Programmed. The support of these amazing organisations helps the orchestra do what we do best, every day. Thank you for listening to Perth Symphony Orchestra's Music on the Move. Perth Symphony Orchestra brings the magic of Christmas alive with their much-anticipated performance of The Snowman, presented by AHG. This Academy Award-nominated film will be shown with Howard Blake's stunning orchestral score performed live. Hosted by Jessica Gethin with a fun and interactive introduction to the orchestra, this is as entertaining for the little ones in the family as it is nostalgic for the parents. 2pm and 4pm on Sunday the 22nd of December at Scotch College in Swanbourne. Tickets via perthsymphony.com.